Book 7 The Stranger Chapter 1 My name is Rachel, and you know the drill. I'm not going to tell you my last name. I'm not going to tell you where I live. I'll tell you all I can, because you need to know what's going on. You need to know what's happening. But I need to stay alive. And if the Yurks knew who I was, I would be dead. Or worse. The Yurks are here. That's what you need to know. People look up at the stars at night and wonder what it would be like if creatures from another planet ever landed on Earth. Well, you can stop wondering. It's happened. The Yurks are parasites. They live in the brains of other species. Humans, for example. They turn human beings into mindless slaves. Human controllers. So when I say that the aliens are here, don't go looking around for some cute little thing like E.T. You won't see the Yurks. They are parasitic worms, evil gray slugs that live in the heads of humans. They can be in anyone. Your best friend. Your favorite teacher. The mayor of your town. Your brother. Sister. Mother. Father. Anyone might be a controller. You might be a controller. So I won't tell you my last name, or where I live, but I will tell you the truth, the truth that only the Animorphs know. Animorph. Animal Morpher. A human capable of becoming any animal. It's our one weapon against the Yurks. Our only power. Without it, we're just five regular kids. But with that power come certain extra responsibilities, as I was just trying to explain to my best friend, Cassie. It was a Sunday night. It was late. The circus had finished their last show. Their trailers and tents were clustered around the backside of the big city arena. The arena is a place where they hold rock concerts and ice shows and play basketball games, and where they have circuses. Look, we both saw what we saw, I told Cassie. Are you telling me it doesn't make you mad? That jerk using a cattle prod on an elephant doesn't make you mad? Of course it does, Rachel. Cassie said. I don't even like circuses. I don't either, but my dad had tickets, and it was our big once-every-other-week father-and-daughters thing. I had to come. My dad had taken my sisters and me to see the circus earlier in the evening. See, my mom and dad are divorced, so my dad does these little outings where we all get together every second weekend. Sometimes it's just me and my dad, like when we go hiking together, or go to ball games or gymnastics events. Those are all things my dad and I like, but Jordan and Sarah, my sisters, don't. My little sisters love the circus, but it's not my kind of thing. I guess I'm too old. That's why I dragged Cassie along, so I'd have someone to talk to when my sisters were getting all excited over the clowns and stuff. Still, it was an opportunity to spend time with my dad, which I enjoy. I don't get to see him as much as I wish I could. Everyone always says how much I'm like him. How he's kind of reckless, and so am I. He always seems so sure of himself, and I guess people think that I'm that way too. We're even both into gymnastics. My dad almost made the U.S. Olympic team when he was younger. Of course, I've never told my father about my other life. I couldn't, but I wish I could. He would worry about me and all, but he would also think it was cool. My dad is very big on standing up for what's right. I think he would admire what I do. That would be nice, feeling like my dad admired me. 
there wasn't much activity in the little tent and trailer city outside the arena. I could hear dogs barking. I could hear raucous laughter coming from a brightly painted trailer. I could smell the usual circus smells. Manure, hay, beer, cotton candy. There were security guards around the perimeter of the area, but I wasn't worried about them. I've gone one-on-one with hork warriors. After you fought one of those seven-foot-tall walking razor blades, regular old humans don't scare you much. Cassie and I walked silently past the tiger cage. The three big cats just stared blankly. It was night. They wanted to be in the jungle. Instead, they were in two small cages, trapped in a nightmare invented by humans. Then I saw the elephant pen. There was a sturdy fence around the four big Asian elephants. They were a little different from the African elephant I knew so well, but they were elephants, just the same. I have sort of a special relationship with elephants. Cassie and I had come to the elephant pen before the circus and seen the way the trainer treated them. He had used a kettle prod on them. It's a stick with a massive electrical shock. He used it to control the animals. Later, during the show, he'd put on a big act of loving the elephants, but I'd seen the cattle prod. I just sat there, doing a slow boil all through the show. I knew I was going to have to take some action. The elephant trainer's name was Joseph something. Something hard to pronounce. Well, he didn't know it yet, but Mr. Joseph something was about to have an eye-opening experience. See anyone around? I asked Cassie. You know, Jake is going to read you the riot act over this, Cassie warned. I laughed. Read the riot act? That's like something my mother would say. What does it even mean? Cassie shrugged and smiled her shy smile. I don't know. My dad says it all the time. I was trying to sound responsible and mature and parental. Look, I am going to do this, I said. Cassie sighed. Why did I let you talk me into this? Because you know I'm right? Cassie rolled her eyes. Just don't hurt the guy, okay? Me? Miss Peace, Love, and Understanding? He'd just better not show up carrying that cattle prod, or I swear I'll... I noticed Cassie had stopped walking. She was giving me her sorrowful look, like she was ashamed of me. I cringed. Okay, okay. I'll just talk to the guy. Turn off the look. I hate that look. You're going to be a really good mother someday, with a look like that. I found the gate in the elephant pen and opened it. I slipped inside while Cassie retreated into the shadows to watch my back. I moved slowly, not making any threatening moves that might alarm the elephants. Elephants may be gentle, but they are big. You don't want to be in the middle of four upset elephants. I went to a far dark corner of the pen and began the familiar ritual of focusing my mind. I concentrated on the elephant. My elephant. The elephant whose DNA was part of me. And then I began to change. Chapter 2 People say I'm pretty. I don't know, and I really don't care. But I'll tell you one thing. No one who has ever seen me morph into an elephant ever used the word pretty to describe it. I felt the thickening of my legs and arms. I watched as my skin grew leathery and gray as mud. I felt the sudden sprouting of my trunk as my nose and upper lip seemed to explode outward. Pinocchio, eat your heart out, Cassie whispered. 
I felt the teeth in the front of my mouth run together and then begin to grow and grow into spear-length tusks. It's a creepy sensation, by the way. Not painful, but definitely creepy. I was growing big. More than big. I was gaining several thousand pounds. Several thousand pounds. I was about 12 or 13 feet tall. I had ears like beach blankets. I had a little ropey tail. I was a full-grown African elephant, and I was ready to have a little, um, talk with Mr. Joseph something. I threw up my trunk and let go of a trumpet blast. It was the sound of a very angry elephant. You could have warned me, I heard Cassie whisper. I almost wet myself over here. It took about three minutes before the trainer came rushing into the pen. In the dark, all he saw were the gray shapes of his elephants. I wasn't exactly hiding because, let's face it, when you're an elephant, you can't scrunch up and look small. But I was staying in the back until he was all the way inside the pen. Then, I lunged forward, pushing two of the other elephants aside. The trainer gaped up at me. What? What the? In a sudden, fluid movement, as he stared in puzzlement, I wrapped my trunk around his waist. Hey, hey, you're not one of my elephants. Here's the thing about elephant trunks. They are so subtle that I can pick up an egg with my trunk and never crack it. Or I can pick up a tree and throw it across the yard. Joseph something knew this. I wrapped my trunk tightly around his waist, and then I lifted him up off the ground. His feet kicked helplessly in the air. His arms pounded weakly on my trunk. I lifted him up till he was at my eye level. Hi, Joseph, I said using thought speak. What the who? Who said that? I'm hearing voices. Me, I replied. I said it. See, Joseph, I am from the International Elephant Police. We have had some complaints about you. This is crazy. This is crazy. What are you? Is this some sort of joke? So I squeezed him a little tighter. Just enough so he couldn't really breathe very well. Now listen to me, because I could just as easily squeeze you out like a tube of toothpaste. So pay attention. You have been using cattle prods on your elephants. That is a no-no. But, he gasped, they are my property. This man was just not getting the message. So I extended my trunk a little and held him right over the tip of my left tusk, like a worm about to be placed on a fish hook. With one twitch of my trunk, I can make you a shish kebab. Now are you going to listen to me? Yes, yes, I'm listening, he said. I'm listening very closely. No more cattle prods. No more pain of any kind. Do you understand me? Yes! Because I'll be watching. And if you ever, ever hurt an elephant again, ever, I'll come back for you. And I will squeeze you till you pop like an overcooked hot dog. Do you understand me? Yeah, yeah, yes Joseph, can you fly? What? Can I fly? No, no, of course not. I'll bet you can, I said. And with that, I lowered my trunk almost to the ground. Then, with a sudden toss of my head and a deft twist of my trunk, 
I sent Joseph something, flying. He landed safely atop a tent. About, oh, twenty feet away. Now can we go home? Cassie asked. Chapter 3 You threw the guy into the air? Jake asked. Wasn't that maybe just a little unnecessary? No, he made me mad, I said. It was the next day after school, a Monday. We were walking through the woods, me, Cassie, Jake, Marco, and Tobias. Of course, Tobias wasn't really walking. He was flying overhead in little hops from branch to branch. He stayed close so he could hear us. Red-tailed hawks have excellent hearing, but he still had to stay fairly close. Well, Rachel, you know I sympathize, Jake said mildly. But I don't think our job is really to right every wrong that's done to animals. That would be a full-time job, unfortunately. I looked at Cassie. She gave me a wink. We kind of didn't tell Jake that she had been there, too. Cassie and Jake like each other. She didn't want him to be mad at her. With me, it's a different story. Everyone knows I'm going to do whatever I feel like doing. We have other stuff to deal with, Marco grumbled. The Andalite didn't give us this power so we could turn into the Animorph Society for Prevention of Cruelty to Animals. Fine, I said. Which wasn't exactly like admitting I was wrong. But what's got you so serious, Marco? Let's wait till we find Axe. I don't want to have to tell the story twice. So we tromped noisily through the woods. I felt a surge of excitement. You couldn't miss the tension in Marco's voice. Something was up. There was the smell of danger in the air, and that meant action. I like action. I like doing things instead of just talking about them. Marco makes fun of me over it. He calls me Xena, Warrior Princess. But I'm not one of those morons who's just into danger for its own sake. It's not about cheap thrills. It's about feeling like I'm involved in something very important. I mean, let's face it. As corny as it sounds, we are trying to help save the world. It began months ago. The five of us just happened to hook up together at the mall. It's not like we were a group, really. Not before that night. Jake's my cousin, but we never hung out together much. Jake's sort of in charge. It's not something he ever asked for. It's just that he's good at dealing with responsibility. He's the kind of person you automatically turn to if there's a crisis. And probably the best thing about him is that he can tell people what to do without ever sounding bossy. Since when don't you want to tell the same story twice? Jake teased Marco. I've known you to tell the same tired jokes 80 or 90 times. It's your own fault, Marco said. If you would just laugh the first time, I wouldn't have to keep telling them. Marco is Jake's best friend. He's smaller than Jake, funnier, darker, more skeptical. But his suspicious nature makes him very good at seeing beneath the surface of things. And as much as he whines and complains about the dangerous situations we get into, he's still there in the worst of the fight, still making dumb jokes. Marco has changed lately, at least a little. He doesn't resist being an Animorph like he used to. I don't know why. Maybe it's because his dad finally seems to have gotten over the death of Marco's mother. I don't know. Hey, look! 
Over by that tree. See? A baby skunk with its mother. Cassie, of course. No one else would notice or get excited over skunks. Let's run right over and pet them, Marco said. Cassie laughed. I've handled skunks plenty of times and never been sprayed. Yeah, well, that's you, Dr. Doolittle. Cassie has been my best friend forever. I have no idea why. No one does, because we seem like we would never get along. Cassie lives on a farm. Both her parents are veterinarians. She spends all her free time in the wildlife rehabilitation clinic her dad runs in their barn. They save injured animals. Cassie is very into animals, but she's not one of those animal lovers who can't stand people. She just thinks of humans as a different species of animal. Then there is Tobias. Back when all this started, Tobias was barely an acquaintance of Jake and Marco, although I kind of knew him. He was a sweet, poetic kind of guy, the kind bullies love to pick on. He used to have messy, out-of-control hair and dreamy eyes that always seemed to be looking at something no one else could see. Used to. Now he has fierce, angry eyes that look through you like laser beams. Now he has brownish feathers and a white crest and a reddish tail and cruel-looking talons and a wickedly curved beak. Tobias was trapped in a morph. Now he was a red-tailed hawk, a predator who lives on mice and rabbits and sometimes other birds. I still see him as sweet, gentle Tobias, but he has been a hawk for a long time now. The gift of the Andalite, the power to morph, is a wonderful weapon. But like any weapon, it can destroy those who use it. Here he comes! Tobias called down in the thought speak we use when we are in morph. I think he sees us! I heard the sound of fallen leaves being stirred, a faint drumbeat of pounding hooves on pine needles. Then, with a leap, he cleared a fallen tree trunk and landed a few feet from us. Aximili Iscaroth Isthil. We call him Axe for short. The sole survivor of the destroyed Andalite dome ship. The only living Andalite on planet Earth. Axe is the brother of Prince Alfangor, the Andalite who warned us about the Yurk invasion and gave us the power to morph. Prince Alfangor, who was destroyed by Visser III, leader of the Yurk forces on Earth. Hello, Prince Jake, Axe said. Hello, all. As much as I know Axe, and even consider him a friend, it's always a little bit of a shock to see him. He looks like some odd cross of a human, a deer, and a scorpion, but not really like any of those things. His upper body and head are more or less the human-looking parts. He has thin arms and many-fingered hands. His face is flat, with slits for a nose and two large almond eyes. He has no mouth at all, which is why thought-speak is the natural language of Andalites. From atop his head rise two stalks, each with an eye on the end. He can turn these eyes in any direction he wants. They're completely independent of his main eyes. His body is that of a pale blue and tan deer, or a thin pony. He has four legs that end in hooves, but his back slopes down so that you would never be tempted to think of riding him. And he has a tail. A long, thick, powerful tail that ends in a deadly scythe-shaped blade. I've seen him use that tail. He can strike so fast that the human eye sees nothing but a blur. Hey, Axe, Marco said. How's it going? 
It is going wonderfully. I was up in the hills yesterday, and I was attacked by one of those very large cats. What do you call them? Cougars? It was very exciting. Are you okay? I asked. Certainly, Rachel. And I did not hurt the cougar, Cassie. Not fatally, anyway. But he won't try to eat me again, I think. Axe gave his strange andalite smile, an expression he managed even without a mouth. Marco rolled his eyes. I'm telling you, Axe and Rachel belong together. The two of you are sick. Someday you could get married while bungee jumping into an active volcano. I squirmed a little, not because I minded Marco thinking I was bold, but because I really was not interested in Axe that way. Okay, now that we're all here, Marco, maybe you should tell us why we're all here, Jake said. I have some news, Marco began. Actually, Tobias and I have some news. I glanced up at Tobias, sitting in the tree. Of course, he showed no expression. He just fixed his piercing gaze on Marco. Marco swaggered just a bit as we formed a circle around him. It's a tale of initiative and courage and yes, brilliance, Marco began. No, 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 just tell us, Marco, I snapped. Don't try to milk the suspense. Okay, he said with an easy laugh. My fellow Animorphs, and visiting alien, we have found a way into the yerk pool. Hey, Phanomorphs! Thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs auditory experience. It's your host, Daniel. I would like to just say, first of all, that... Uh, new book, book, book seven, book seven, I think in my ending for book six, I might have said we were on book five, I was wrong, we're on book seven, let me double check that right now, because now I'm super paranoid that I got that wrong, yeah, okay, we are on book seven, sorry about that, uh, book seven, we made it, it's a Rachel book, so... Uh, If you noticed that some parts of this episode were a little blown out, I apologize. Rachel, as you might have noticed, is a softer voice. And so it's a little difficult for me to balance those levels uh, with everyone else's voice when she got when she has the kind of the majority of the lines. And if you didn't notice any blowout, then never mind. Ignore what I just said. My audio is perfect and enjoy yourself. I would like to give a thank you to Brittany, my friend, who suggested uh, this Duran Duran song for the opening. I am always looking for new music to use as an opener because my music taste is not very good, nor is it especially animal-themed. And I guess that's what we're doing uh, as long as we can before I just pick some like shitty indie stuff that I listen to in my free time. Uh, If we could just keep the animal thing going, that'd be great. Send in your suggestions, please. I could use them. I would also like to say, uh, not to say, but to uh, read a message I got from Get to the Dragon on Tumblr wrote in saying, Loving your podcast, it's great to catch up on a childhood series, and every episode released is the highlight of my week. Smiley face emoticon. Keep up the good work. Thank you so much, Get to the Dragon. 
whose name is not listed on their Tumblr bio, so I'm just going to go with their Tumblr URL. Um, I never thought I'd ever be anyone's highlight of their week, so that's really cool, and I really do appreciate that. Thank you so much. Now, if you liked what you heard here, you can hear more at audiomorphs.podbean.com or by searching Audiomorphs on iTunes or your local podcast catcher. I think that's what they're called, podcatchers, whatever app you're using. But if you're using iTunes, go ahead and shoot me a review and a rating and a subscribe. Now, if you'd like to reach out to me, maybe suggest a animal-themed song I could use for an opening, P.S. Duran Duran, please don't sue me for using your music. Um, you can do that at audiomorphscast.tumblr.com or audiomorphscast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from all 30, 35 of you. Uh, just, you know, come by, say hello. So that is all I've got this week. I will see you all next week. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight. <laughs>